Welcome to the Cybersecurity and Cloud Podcast, where we hear the stories of information security professionals. This podcast explores different angles, out-of-the-box ideas, and the human element of cybersecurity. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts and supporting us at www.patreon.com forward slash CSCP so we can continue to bring on amazing guests. You can watch videos of the interviews at www.cybercloudpodcast.com. And we're live. So welcome back, everybody, to the Cybersecurity and Cloud Podcast. Today, we have the honor and the pleasure to have one of my favorite trainer and developer and application security expert and, should I say no more, AppZero expert. <laughs> what else? But no, it's, uh, I've seen him in conference, I've seen him in training, uh, I've, I've seen bits of his training and bits of his guidance. And I really appreciate another fellow AppSec defender. But this is your host, Francesco, and I welcome you back to the Cybersecurity Podcast. And let me introduce Philip Derek. Philip, right. do you want to tell our audience a little bit about what you're doing, what you've been up to, a little bit about your history, what you do, who you are, and well, first of all, thanks for that wonderful introduction that definitely sets the tone <laughs> for the podcast. So <laughs> I'm, I'm, a, I'm a web security expert. Uh, well, let's, let's say application security because things are moving rapidly and I'm expanding in other fields. But I mainly advise companies building more secure applications. And I do that through either expert consulting on specific problems they have or through developer training where I train groups of people. Uh, on building more secure applications. I help them out. I answer their questions, which are typically quite a few. And I try to explain them or teach them how things work instead of what the current textbook example of fixing things is. So I really want people to understand the security problems that they face and why the solutions work the way they do, because I, I think that empowers them to to cover these problems in, in new scenarios and in new languages and new frameworks and all of these things. So yeah, that's how I spent my days. I used to travel a lot to conferences um, and now I'm at home for a long time, <laughs> which is not that bad. It's, it has some pros and cons. Well, you get to use the video and the audio and you start thinking. I actually saw the post the other day when you mentioned about your home lab and your video thing. And I downloaded actually the application on the iPhone to transform it into a webcam to try it out. So. As a fellow, as a fellow podcaster, stage man, <laughs> I feel your pain of not traveling. Yeah, uh, it's it's definitely definitely something. And you, you see this very nice background here. Uh, I'm not going to show you what's behind the curtain because it's kind of a makeshift <laughs> office. Because we we do have kids at home and and doing calls and trainings is definitely definitely challenging with with without telling my family to bugger off for half a day or something like that. So yeah, it's uh it's good. I'm able to spend a lot of time with the kids, so no complaints, actually. Never let the crisis go to waste. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not sure if this crisis is the one to say that about, but uh, yeah, the, things are, well, they're looking a bit better in Belgium, but globally things are pretty bad. So uh, let's say we could have, well, it would have been better if we would have avoided it, but um, it is what it is and we have to deal with it anyway. So. Yeah, but hopefully we're going to learn to work more from remote, more in a distributed environment and with the good and the bad that this brings. But this brings me on the tradition of the podcast to give a state of the industry or your view on the industry 
So what's your view on the industry right now? Are we getting better? Are we getting worse? That, that's a difficult question. Usually I'm a very positive person and I just had a not so positive experience. So uh, <laughs> no, honestly, my, my impression is that we're doing better in a sense that I see a lot more people that really want to get it right. I, I see a lot of people uh, following my courses, um, following my, my free conference talks and, and learning from that, taking from that and, and moving forward with their security practices. And I think that's a good thing. Unfortunately, you also have companies that don't seem to get why security matters and are like, me, uh, it's, it's not that bad. And yeah, but when you tell them it's really, really bad, then they, they just shrug it off and move forward. So yeah, let's, let's try not to be those people and try to take security seriously. Or risk assess it. So it's, it's, all, it's all good and done and all fun and game up to the point where you get breached and your perception of the impact of a security vulnerability becomes extremely different overnight. And we've seen it with probably Equifax was the biggest one where they changed completely mindset and philosophy. And I was discussing with the CISO of Equifax and they've done massive leap. And now they are under scrutiny lens of all the customers and saying, well, what are you going to do about security? Security is becoming the number one agenda. Or we saw that with Travelex, it was a ransomware. So a little bit of, of a bad way, but it's still security. It's a still security issue. And they almost gone out of business. So we should take things security seriously. And especially yeah. application security because everything is becoming an API. <laughs> yeah, ab- absolutely. And everything is more and more accessible and available on Amazon and, and all of these things. And if something bad happens and one of the good guys tells you like, yeah, this shouldn't have happened and for this and this reason or like me, but nobody abused it that because you're a good guy. Then. Yet. <laughs> yes, ab- absolutely. So yeah, it's, it's not been a fun day. Let's put it like that. <laughs> I'm sorry to hear, but there, there is always something positive to take from a crisis. Yeah. Let's, let's move forward and lessons <laughs> learned. And of course, um, let's try to inspire other people to take things more seriously. Absolutely. Exactly. And in his risk assessment and his things like the good the good thing that you cleaned and the other guys are doing around AppSec and making it more accessible, more open source. And you know that I'm a big supporter of, of OWASP and CSA as well. We do our bits on, on cloud security elements with this podcast as well. We try to reach as many people as we can to show that application security is actually cool. <laughs> you can be like me and you and be on stage. But jokes aside, it's an important thing to do and it's not that rocket science. So you can do that step by step. It's it's uh-huh. it's about learning and, and the willingness to learn. I would say that's the most important thing, just realizing like, hey, I don't know too much about security here. So let's let's find some resources and try to learn how it works and how to secure it. And I absolutely agree that organizations like OASP are crucial in in that mission because they they do offer high quality materials available for everyone and they do drive a lot of awareness and i try to contribute my way as well by offering cheat sheets and and free courses because i i honestly believe that people should have access to that information and it should be as widespread available as possible and every little helps every little helps so it doesn't take whatever i say to my mentee to my community if you have a little bit to contribute 
even a little bit advanced the industry so much. So even in coming into a podcast, discussing about it, even if you do one thing, it's one thing more than nobody has done it. So better than nothing. Yeah, absolutely. And <laughs> and you produce especially... a lot of shit shit. <laughs> it's like I, I, I knew you from one cheat sheet and then here you publish another one and another one and I lost track how many cheat sheets you have uh, I don't know <laughs> no, exactly. I, I think, I, I, think it, I think it's five right now it's five right now and a whole bunch of ideas in my in my list of uh, to do things to do when I find some time to do that so yeah it's uh, it's it's definitely I think well I've heard a lot of good feedback on those cheat sheets because they they try to it's like a one pager uh, for a topic and they try to give developers concrete guidelines of what to look for what to look out for um, of course it's not going to be a full course on a one pager but at least it's something to keep in mind if you're doing something like it's a hey, cheat sheet. Have, we, have we thought about this have you thought about that um, this is the best practice for doing this that's the best practice for doing that and yeah it's i've heard from people they actually print it out and have it on their desk while they're building software so that's that's absolutely awesome i've, I've printed those out and i give them to my uh, in the upside program I printed them out and whenever I was doing uh, our program work, it's like, here's some cheat sheet and... <laughs> All right, that's awesome. That, that's why I totally why I made them in like a printable format, uh, not by accident. No, it's, it's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, she looks really good. And green is, is like a positive message. I mean, most of my company are red based because I love black and red, but it's not the most friendly. <laughs> I try to go blue with the podcast. <laughs> yeah, but when something is red in my materials, that's not good. Red, red is definitely yeah. not good. Mine are black and red, as you can see. <laughs> Phoenix is black <laughs> and red, unfortunately. I love yeah, red. It's, what can I say? Yeah, it's 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 a color that pops. But I'll, I'll reserve that for the things not to do or the the problematic. Things, so you'll know <laughs> to pay attention, and then we can take it from there. Yeah. But what what are you working right now? Uh, what is the exciting thing, or what training, what series of training are, are you are you delivering now? Right now, I, I actually did a training in May um, on OAuth and OpenID Connect. That was a a very extensive training. We spread it out over three weeks at night, wow. well, at least European time at night, to cover the the topic in a lot of depth. And I'm currently rebuilding that content into an online course. And I the first part is an introduction module. Uh, it's about a two-hour module, which gives you an introduction to OAuth and OIDC, which is a free course. Um, the recording of the, the webinar-style lecture is already online, but I want to build that into a true course with shorter videos, like five, eight minutes, um, some assessments in there, some assignments, so you can actually get your hands dirty and try that out. And I expect that to be done next week. So hopefully people can start using that to learn about these frameworks and protocols and learn what they're supposed to do and how they work and take it from there. And please tag me so I can distribute the knowledge or hashtag Mentoring Monday or Cyber Mentoring Monday. This hashtag that myself and Tanya created originally to reach out to our mentee community and actually was the original name of the podcast. It became kind of too popular and too obscure. That's why I changed the name. But the original scope was whatever information we share out for our mentee community, we tag it with hashtag Cyber Mentoring Monday. So all, all, all the right. next cheat sheet, you have a task to target with, <laughs> with the hashtag Cyber Mentoring Monday. If, if I have the characters left in my tweet, I will definitely uh, consider doing that. <laughs> but you, you, you can always retweet with, with the hashtags. It's, uh, yeah. Fair enough. I'm, I'm, I'm too old for hashtags. It's, uh... Oh, come on, man. 
<laughs> we it's a first world problem when Twitter not enough. Twitter space is not enough. <laughs> yes, I, I know, I know. <laughs> but I, I like to explain things in in depth. So um, I often run into like the two hundred eighty character limit. It's like, damn it! Tell me about to... it. Tell me about it. I like to over explain things. Hey, Francesco here. A very quick message from our sponsor and then we return back. This podcast is brought to you by the generosity of NSC42 Limited, your cybersecurity partner. Cybersecurity is complex and different for every organization, and you need the best tailored service to make sure your customer's data is safe and sound so you can focus on what's important, focusing on your clients and bringing the best and safest experience. NSC42 Limited can help you during your cloud transformation, cybersecurity assessment for your compliance checklist on premise and on the cloud. Want to know more? Visit www.nsc42.co.uk to get your free quote. But in application security is such a complex world that dumbing it down sometimes makes the opposite effect. So sometimes things like you just mentioned auto is extremely complicated. I need to sync my, sync my key back in the uh, JOT or Java web authentication token. It's complicated or the whole authentication token thing. It's quite complicated. Even API, REST API versus OP API, it's not the most straightforward thing. So you can explain maybe in a simple way. So what's your take? So one of, one of my... Pet peeves with with these simple messages is that they they skip over all the nuance that's in in the answer. So uh, you'll you'll find videos of me doing a Q and A at a conference, and people keep asking questions, and my answer they they start to get annoyed when my answer is always it depends because it it totally depends on what you're doing, what you're building, on on how you want to handle that, and it's not a simple straightforward decision. I I have lectures of an hour that I do in trainings where I I start by saying I'm not going to give you answers, I'm going to give you options, and this is what you have available. These are the building blocks we have on the web. This is how you can do it securely. And now it's up to you to decide which ones you want to use in your application because there's no one-size-fits-all answer. And mm. if there's one framework or protocol to clearly illustrate that, it's OAuth because the thing is massive and insanely complex because it supports a wide variety of use cases. And it's it's very challenging to to start with that because there's literally dozens of specifications and None of them makes sense to to someone diving into that for the first time. Even getting started is going to take you at least two months before things start making sense. And that's not a very, very Friendly. enjoyable learning path. <laughs> and I, I need to sing my teeth back in, in Oz. And I think the authentication piece, I mean, it's broken authentication is still, is still the first thing that get breached. And well, if we skip credential stuffing, but that's not an attack. That's a silly way to <laughs> hammer an application with every possible attempt. That's not. But if we breach, if we break the protocol, or if we go around a specific web application where maybe something that was hidden or considered hidden or things like that, that's a clever way to do it and, and require a good understanding of the protocol. And the time yeah. have the time to develop that. So defender should, but it's complicated. And as security professional, I don't know your experience, in my experience, I can tell you a story where you can, you always get question of, as you just said, give me the answer to that problem. As an SME, it's like you, first of all, lack in the context and 
it depends end up being the answer that you usually uh, refer to. So how do you how do you address that, for example? Well, usually I, I don't give easy answers. So <laughs> because it, it all depends. So you, usually what, what happens in, in something like that is we, we briefly talk about what we're trying to do. And, and usually it's going to be a meeting. So just an email like, yeah, we want to do this. Um, is that the right way? I'm probably not going to be able to give you a very useful response to that. So it, it's going to be a meeting with the customer talking about what they want to achieve, what their priorities are. Do they want to have focus on security or do they want to focus on usability or is there a trade-off? Is What systems are they running? Is it microservices, monoliths, a combination of both, which is usually the answer and, and all of that together. And, and we're going we're gonna to start talking about what they want to achieve first, what they're, what, how much they want to invest, how much they want to do in-house, how much they want to push off to vendors. And, and based on that, I can try to guide them in the landscape of what they should be doing and where they should be moving towards. And I, I've had a couple of great stories where customers actually went through that process and after that meeting, they go do whatever they do, and then they come back like a month later, two months later, like, yeah, we did all of this, and now we're looking at these things. So can you help us with architecture steps? Like, can we do it like this, or should we do it like that? And as, as for more further, as, as they progress, they, they come up with different questions like, oh, now we have this challenge. Can we solve it this way or that way? And step by step, things get clearer. They, they figure out themselves what they need, because typically they don't really know that um, very well up front, as, as, you, as you know, it's you can't anticipate all of these things if you don't have this intrinsic knowledge about how things are supposed to be done and then based on that they they progress and with one of my customers are now at the implementation phase so they they look for a vendor to implement what they want because they didn't have that knowledge in-house and it's definitely interesting so i sat together with them and a vendor as well and we discussed where things were and some recent challenges with cookies and browsers and things like that uh, so even at that stage we still run into challenges to address and I actually like that part because it's it's very interesting to see how things evolve and how they is eventually move to to a product. And what they thought was going to be a simple process of a couple of months is probably going to take a lot more than that. But um, it's it's looking very positive at this point. So that's awesome. No, it's, it's always great to see a baby, a, a piece of software growing and moving and evolving. And yeah, it's going to take two weeks and two years. <laughs> I've been there. I've seen that happening. But can you tell maybe uh, some positive or, or some nightmare story that you've been in uh, that you can disclose, or some things like gotcha or events that somebody from a development environment should take into consideration when starting a development? Oof, that's uh, yeah. I've I've had both good stories, bad stories. Um, I think I'm pretty biased because. When a company brings me in, they're typically kind of serious about security anyway. It's not like a, I stumble into a company that's like, what is the security thing you're talking about? So <laughs> they, they probably don't invite me or don't even pay me to go there. So my, my view is a bit biased, um, but I've, I've had trainings. I like to call them checkbox training. So it's a company that has like this list from God knows where. And it says like, oh, you need to train your developers on security. And they end up, end up with me. And you arrive at, it's at a hotel, you arrive there and... There's nobody from the supporting staff of the company. There's nobody to welcome their employees. There's nobody to set me up. This It's just like, oh yeah, the hotel staff tells me it's that room and there's nobody there. There's no context. The the people there are mm -hmm. like, yeah, we, we have to be there. Uh, compliance reasons, you know, and they, they are interested, but it's often not fine-tuned. The curriculum is not fine-tuned to what they actually need. So I'll, I'll be doing 
part of a front-end security class to back-end developers because nobody at the company Ooh. told me that there were going to be back-end people. So it's I, I propose a curriculum like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. And then you end, end up teaching things that to people that don't really need it. And honestly, I, I kind of hate those, those assignments. I'm, I'm going to do them. I'm going to do them to the best of my efforts. I'm going to change the curriculum on the fly if we can to accommodate people. But um, I'm kind of wondering why a company would go through the effort of setting up a training if they're not going to take it seriously. And compliance. Yeah, well, then at least put in some effort and make compliance useful, I would say. Or a policy said so. The answer <laughs> that, that some, so, some of it, so can we do an application security training? What are the normal issue in your application security program? And the answer is application security program? What is that? <laughs> yeah, I know it's how like, that feels. <laughs> we've been told by the regulator that we need to do secure coding. We need to do hands-up training on secure coding. And it's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. But on the it's other hand, most, most, most stories are, are much more positive because they, they actually involve me from the start and they, they want to build out a curriculum that meets their needs. And, and th those stories are much more positive. And when Please tell me all about it. A senior manager or, or the CTO introduces you to the, to the staff or the, the people attending the training, it's like they know that this is something to take seriously. They know that there's buy-in from, from up high and it, it makes them much more receptive to what I'm telling because they also know that they will have the resources to work on this. And um, it's not like a, just another thing they have to try to get done in their time. No, it's something like, hey, if Philip says that this is important, we should go talk to our boss and he will make sure that we have the time to work on that and the time to, to build that. And I've even had people in, in one of my trainings, I had someone on the second day and he was like, yeah, I'm really tired, so it's going to be a bit hard to, to follow along today, but I'm going to do my best. And I was like, yeah, sure, is everything okay? And I was like, yeah, I was up most of the night fixing uh, an application I built a long time ago for a family member. And I, I noticed that I had some security issues from uh, the stuff we thought or learned yesterday. And he actually started fixing them right away because... That's a great um, story. Yeah, um, I was pretty impressed there. And he actually probably did a good job fixing these things. So that's that's exactly what I want to achieve. And that's what I do it for, basically. No, and, and I love, and, and that's that's the good part of maybe our work where we get the reward or we get to see our work uh, making, well, not in that particular situation, a sleepless night, but maybe in the long run, life of a specific developer or individual or company a little bit better. And I remember a story that we were doing an application security program and we were on the uh, retrospective aspect and we were doing you know, analysis of with a number of teams on, uh, what was it, input validation issue across a number of applications. And I said, well, you know what, instead of doing regex on, on, your, on your input or instead of calculating buff, doing anything complicated, there is a fantastic OWASP library that does at least the basic stuff for you. And you see their eyes shining and pop and say, really? We can fix this, which is the library integration and a number of functions and three or four applications just sold, you know, 50 vulnerability with that. And they were like, wow. <laughs> they really saw the value of why we were doing like a month call or analyzing all together or the real value of an application security problem. And I think in our job, we always come as that takes time that takes time to develop and that quick win actually help us win but it's a complicated environment and it takes context and people to understand so much and as you just said you can walk in a conference where people have been told be there 
for the sake of being there. And making a success of that environment is particularly complicated. But when you have organizations that are committed, people feel committed, people feel the cause to actually be there. And security is always hard. So why not smoothing it out by having people committed to it and knowing that senior manager support? Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. It's uh, really, really important for the people to see that they have the buy-in to, to invest in security. And that doesn't mean that they have to run off and start doing random projects. No, it means that there has to be a plan like an application security program, some things you want to tackle in the coming months and have some focused resources on that, have a training on, on a topic or uh, on, on a couple of topics and have some guidelines and so on and so on. And yeah, absolutely. That's that's the perfect way forward. What what I also like very much in, in the recent years is frameworks getting better. So my job used to be telling people how to write secure code. And now it's mainly telling people how to let the framework do its job and stay out of the mm -hmm. way. And that's that's a, a really good evolution because it's it's still knowledge that they need. But if you don't have the knowledge, it's going to be harder to mess it up. And that's that's really good because that was definitely not the case five years ago. And that is slowly becoming the, the case today. And I really enjoy that part of the job as well. Hey, Francesco here. A very quick message from our sponsor and then we return back. This podcast is brought to you by the generosity of NSC42 Limited, your cybersecurity partner. Cybersecurity is complex and different for every organization, and you need the best tailored service to make sure your customer's data is safe and sound so you can focus on what's important, focusing on your clients and bringing the best and safest experience. NSC42 Limited can help you during your cloud transformation, cybersecurity assessment for your compliance checklist on-premise and on the cloud. Want to know more? Visit www.nsc42.co.uk to get your free quote. That's, that's actually a very, very good conversation. And I was having the same conversation with Tanya where we saw, Tanya Jenka, uh, where we saw completely class of security vulnerability disappear with a framework like cross-site scripting or cross-request perjury, where the framework actually fixed that by default or didn't allow that to be in place. Or we were discussing in a previous podcast about buffer overflow that is getting lower and lower cases because the framework or specific controls around the operating system don't allow application you know, to breach the memory or to go above and beyond or do not demand the developer to remember all the single complicated things, but they do it for them. So they only have to actually focus on turning a use stories into some piece of code and the rest of the security is taken. But also we're getting lazy. But lazy is good. Lazy makes you go faster. Yeah. And hopefully somebody solve, solve that. What do you think? Yeah, I, I do agree that developers my ideal world, let me let me tell you what my ideal world is. My ideal world would be a developer that is security aware, that they know when they're doing something like, hmm, this is probably something that has some impact on security. I should talk to someone about what I'm doing here to make sure that we do it right. That's that's one side of the story. And the second part is that a company has like an application security team that helps developers build more secure software. And there, there's no point in 
well, there's a point because it's my job, but um, I would much rather not talk to developers about specific details on how to prevent cross-site scripting in React. Instead, I would like to tell them like, hey, this is what your company wants you to use. This React property, you don't use it because it will be flagged by a code scanning tool anyway. You use your company's library built by the AppSec team, which abstracts that behavior away into something that you know is secure. And we can scan our code base for use of that function and prevent the use of the, the dangerous function where you actually have to know how to handle these things uh, mm. with a lot of uh, expertise. And that would be great. And I, I have a few companies that are focusing on things like that. And that's that's absolutely awesome because it helps developers build more secure applications by just following a set of straightforward coding guidelines. And you have this this marriage between development and security, which is often seen as friction, but it absolutely doesn't have, it can't be friction. It has to be has to go hand in hand, otherwise it's never gonna work. No, and, and I love the fact that you mentioned because that is my greatest test for me in the highest maturity level where you stop doing code review and you focus the team, a bunch of engineering team that are security aware into developing specific function for the rest of the engineering team. So how to interface with identity provider in a secure way, how to uh, maybe handle uh, identities, authentication and things like that, but in a secure way, or having a subset of library that enable developer to enable security team to be fairly reassured that those are the posture and knowing when something is vulnerable and knowing how many applications they're vulnerable. But that yeah. requires a high, very high maturity, in my opinion. I yeah, find, I, I absolutely. To see. I, I like how you mentioned authentication there because how many companies have different teams building their own authentication service like over and over again? And, yeah. and it's like, oh, you have these password rules and this credential stuffing defense and this and that. And it's like, why are you doing that? Why not have one team build one authentication service, build it in a clean, minimalistic way so everybody else can use it and you're done. And if something goes wrong, you have to fix it in one place and everybody gets the update just like that. Hold and, on, Philip. But we need 400 methods to interface with Active Directory and record keys and demand keys and handle certificate. Why would you create just one method that is clean and secure? We wouldn't have yeah. so much fun with security. <laughs> yeah, and, and less people need training, I think. So, no, everybody should write their own security code. So, it's absolutely <laughs> mandatory. Every developer writes their own security code, and I can tell you how to do that securely. <laughs> no, seriously, it's, it's, it's not about job security for me. It's about helping people build more secure applications and i'm gonna do whatever i can to actually help people do that and that's that's the only way forward because in the end that's something i tell at the conclusion of my trading in the end we're all in the same boat because i'm using the applications that my customers are building and they're using each other's applications and if one of them messes up we all suffer from that and that's actually my second slide in all my talks security is everybody's job because we all get affected by it. <laughs> yeah, so absolutely. treat your customer data as if it was yours. Because ultimately, or at least question, what could go wrong? And we were discussing in the previous podcast uh, about threat modeling with Adam Shoshak on how to embed effectively threat modeling or how to effectively do a little bit to question what am I doing? Is it going to cause an impact from a security perspective? What could go wrong? And sometimes the answer is nothing, hopefully. <laughs> like I'm changing, I'm changing a, a, an image on a website. Chances are it's not that dangerous, but I'm exposing a new API. I'm interfacing with a new identity service. I'm managing a new certificate. I'm refreshing a key. Maybe those are the things that should ring an alarm bell 
And a lot of companies don't have specific guidelines on you should at least consider security if you're touching anything of this in the application. They only, if you're lucky, have an application security policy that tells you shall do code scanning, but know what to do with it. Yeah, absolutely. And I fully agree about this threat modeling and risk assessment that, that we, you talked about a few times, because let's face it, it's going to be impossible to fix all the problems you'll ever think of, because what if somebody ninjas through the air vents and steals a hard disk from the service? Like, yeah, we, we can try to defend against that and we can do certain things, but in the end, uh, some, crazy the ba- some crazy bastard <laughs> is going to get in anyway. And <laughs> so it, it's all about what's, what's a, a correct threat model. And it, it all starts with that. And if, if you, the, the beautiful thing is if you start doing that on a regular basis, it becomes like a habit. And you, you probably have the same. If you go to the, the supermarket, you'll be like, hmm, this self-scan procedure, you can go around this and that and that way. And you'll, you'll start noticing things like in real life, you start threat modeling as a habit. And it, it's interesting for sure. For sure. That's <laughs> but yeah, that's where we want developers to be at, to, to have this second nature like, hey, what am I doing here? Is that okay? And my advice is if, you, if the answer is, I don't know, then go find someone who does and keep looking until you find that person. Yeah, I think you're right. But also we should, the training is great when we homegrown effectively a little bit of security seed inside developers so that they, they ask that question or they have, or they ask the guidelines saying, what should I do? What, what are the elements that I should, what are the alarm bell that should ring when I touch this or this or this. And that collaboration is fantastic. When the developer comes and sees me saying, am I doing something wrong with this? Or I have the suspicion, I'm, I'm joyful. It's a great day. But when I discover a vulnerability on something and has been released to production and is on a web front end and I need to go and tell somebody, maybe you should consider this. It's almost me questioning their work. It's always... I wouldn't like it if I was developing a piece of code and somebody was pointing a finger to a, to a line of code, I would feel, well, are you telling me how to do my job? I wouldn't like it, so I don't like to do it to other people. But unfortunately, we are in a situation with security to do it. So I love people that deliver application security training because it helps me and help taking off the burden to actually do application security training. <laughs> Yeah, so thank I, you. Personal. I've been on, on both sides of that medal as well. And I, I honestly, I, I think you shouldn't be offended by somebody pointing out something wrong with how things are going. I've, I've had people get offended if you point out like, yeah, that's not how that is supposed to go. They're like, what? You're <laughs> telling me this straight up and no sugar coating? It's like, yeah, sorry. <laughs> uh, that's just <laughs> how, how things are. But I've had the same thing happen to me. So when when I started doing labs, I did things in a virtual machine, which was kind of a nightmare to manage, but people actually had some code to look at and they still do in, in certain scenarios today. But people were pointing out like mistakes in my code, not security mistakes, but things like uh, operations that weren't threat safe or could have done better. I was like, okay, that's great advice. Thank you very much. Because I, I am a security person and I do develop applications, but I, I I'm not an expert on everything either. So uh, everybody has their own expertise and I can definitely learn from other people as well. Actually, I do learn something new every time I do a training, which is maybe one of the aspects I kind of miss doing online trainings because there's a lot less interaction, especially um, right. offline interaction as in during breaks or during lunch or something like that. And 
usually those are the, the moments where I learn things about how people build applications and what they've been doing and and interesting cases they encountered and stuff like that. So and yeah, missing the social interaction is, is big and specifically conference where you network with people, you learn from each other that is missing and it's hard to bridge the, the screen, especially being social and, and sharing stuff. But yeah. we're not going to get stuck in here forever, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> Another and downside is... At a, at a conference, I can go watch a talk, and now I just added to my list of talks to watch. And the list Have you actually only watch goes. It? Well, I, I was discussing. I, I was discussing. I'm, I'm, planning, I'm planning to watch it. <laughs> exactly. So I have I have a queue or so much thing that I want to watch. So many podcasts. I I have a backlog of podcasts that I want to watch. I went back running a lot because running enabled me to listen to stuff. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm I'm actually planning when when things slow down a little bit in in the coming months, I'm I'm planning to have like a a weekly habit of watching at least one conference talk or something because there's definitely a bunch of interesting talks on there and I want to see what what these people have to say and their perspective on things and absolutely. So, yeah, it's and a matter exploded. of Yeah, it's it's a matter of making that a priority in in your time. It's not like I I could make time for that right now, but I have other priorities that I prefer to spend my time on right now. And it's always about making choices. And at some yeah. point, learning has to be a choice and I'm going to have to invest time myself in learning. So, Well, I'm missing, I'm, missing, I'm missing the interaction with people, the learning through experience, because that's the good value of con and sharing experience, sharing stories, like war stories. You feel you're not alone. And specifically in application security, I don't know about you, but when I started originally application security program, I said, everybody hates this. Why are we even doing it? <laughs> and when you feel follow application security practitioner or people that started a program, you have this kind of therapy, first 10 minutes of therapy session where you say, yeah, we always been there. We support you. You feel you're not alone. Yeah, ab absolutely. It's a... Uh... Yeah, we'll we'll see when things start up again. But um, I'm I'm not very hopeful for 2020. But hopefully next year um, we'll see some improvements. I think 2020 is to archive, and it never happened. <laughs> it's a real, it's, it's a piece of code that should have never been released into production. Let's <laughs> yeah, put it this way. It wasn't tested properly. <laughs> well, it, it seems like they're trying to patch it in production as we go along. But sure. <laughs> Like, you know what they say about patching in production, you throw in one and explode something else and we see it happening. That's, that's so pretty much how things are going right now. So, um, yeah. Yeah. So please withdraw 2020 from production, fix it properly, do threat modeling, <laughs> do code scanning, and then re-release in 2021 with an apologies for the delay. <laughs> <laughs> but we're, we're almost at the, at the, at the hours and I always commit to to take it to half an hour and I never manage to. So I think I'm gonna I'm gonna just relinquish the hope that this podcast is gonna be half an hour yeah. long because the conversation it, is too amazing. You can edit it. So just take out all the serious stuff and keep the jokes and we're good. So uh <laughs> <laughs> but it's a good learning exercise. <laughs> but jokes aside, um we have another tradition on the podcast that we leave our audience with a very positive message about cybersecurity. And we've been discussing too much 2020 COVID. <laughs> so what is what is a positive message that you can leave the audience to this developer or training or practitioner 
for us. Yeah. So I would say that the positive message here is that things today, security-wise, are better than ever before. We have more tools, we have more frameworks, we have more knowledge than we ever had, and it's definitely much more feasible to build secure applications. If you're willing to learn, if you're willing to invest in security, I honestly believe you can get there and you will get there. So my advice is to just start learning. It's going to be overwhelming at first, but um, once you move along, you'll be able to find and understand things and relate concepts together. And before you know it, you are thinking about what can go wrong here and you are doing automatic threat modeling and so forth. So um, it's it's that willingness to learn that is crucial in, in everything. It's not about security only. It's it's You have to have that attitude in everything that you do. And in the end, you'll notice that you are capable of much more than you think. And AppSec or application security is definitely one of those things that you can do if you want to. Thank you very much, Philip, for the inspiring message. And for my fellow OPSEC people, don't give up. We have a long battle to fight, but we get better every day. And we have amazing people like Philip that does cheat sheet training and conference and, you know, you name it. Contribution has been amazing. And thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's been an amazing conversation. I think I never get enough to talk about AppSec because that's my passion, but <laughs> we All don't right. want to overkill I'm... people. We're going to invite you again and we're going to discuss a little bit more maybe on the identities on more technical topics so we can overkill on application security properly. <laughs> All right. I'm happy to do that and I'm sure we'll run into each other again soon and we can have that chat uh, with, with a drink in our hands. Face to face. Yes. <laughs> thank absolutely. you very much. And thank you, everybody, for listening. This was your host, Francesco and Philip Derrick, uh, coming here to talk to you about the benefit of application security. Stay safe thank you. and stay upset. Stay safe. Bye. Bye. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, consider leaving us a review or sponsoring us on Patreon. It helps us bring on amazing guests and keep the podcast alive and free. Consider supporting us at www.patreon.com forward slash CSCP and watch other episodes at www.cybercloudpodcast.com. Thank you.